0: got to prove you care, right? And I think Nathan does that really well that he proves that he cares about Lucius. We believe Lucius cares about everyone in some way shape or form on that ship. Delivery, baby.
1: So it's
2: just iconically. Yeah. yeah. I want an alignment chart of sideburns, like a scatter chart but a, like an <laughs> alignment grid of like yeah. of sideburns so you've got like Lucius, Elvis,
3: Well, it is episode three of the R Flag Means fan fiction podcast, and it's been a pretty quiet week in the R Flag Means Death fandom. On January 24th, David Jenkins posted an Instagram pic of a red sky with the caption, lights up on sunny side only, and the little arrow emoji. Hashtag seen in Queens, hashtag sunny side, along with the song new york groove by ace freely i think that's how you pronounce the name uh the lyrics of that song go i'm back i'm back in the new york groove of course the fandom is going to clown about that uh some people pope pointed out that on september 14th right before the trailer dropped david jenkins posted red sky at morning sailor take warning the day before um so nothing really has since then been going on with david jenkins land uh on the full moon january 25th the guardian put out an article Uh, with the headline unhinged in a good way. Our flag means death was canceled. It's fans are fighting back. It was a very long, Uh, detailed really great article it was number one on their website for a while and it was like their main page story for a while so that was how the full moon manifested (laughs) we didn't get any news but we did get this big article Uh, meanwhile the renew as a crew and adopt our crew campaigns have been going strong the save our flag means death billboard truck is still driving around LA and Bath and Body Works released a Calypso's Clementine series with in their ad is described as zesty, bright and optimistic that is not like a coincidence whoever is in bath and body works like development or marketing they have to be a fan right i, mean, I think this feral fandom will like latch at
1: anything and everything having to do with
4: calypso's clementine <laughs>
1: though
4: i just yeah i mean, that yes <laughs> i i believe it i feel like we're like low-key everywhere also i have to say Calypso's birthday aired on my birthday. I, Congratulations! My first, awesome, thank happy you. birthday! My, thank you. My first ever tattoo I got when I was eighteen was a lobium rose tattoo, and my dog is named Clementine, and Clementines are very like symbolically important to me. So I feel like all the stars are aligning. This has to be some kind of like that's an omen. and, in and
3: interestingly, one. I mean, I also have like a birthday synchronicity with the show. Um, my birthday is September 2nd, and as you know from the show, September 2nd it was a very important day. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Um, but I've been noticing a lot of omens this week. I had, um, so in addition to the Bath and Body Works, which I feel like, come on, I've seen a group of crows flying in front of the full moon, also in the kitchen at my work, which I work in a, you know, Kind of a large nine-story building in Mid Wilshire, uh, very corporate, very cement. There was a cricket in my kitchen. I'm like, there's no, there's no woods here. How is there going to be a cricket in this like Mid Wilshire corporate building? And then uh, I saw just recently a bunny, like a wild rabbit, outside my apartment back step, um, like a very Ed type bunny. I've never seen a rabbit there before. It's like a very cementy apartment complex. Then two days in a row, I've seen four, four, four on my phone.
4: I'm always down to clown for the, you classroom. know, like else. I just, I'll take I, it. <laughs> why not? Anything to keep us
1: aloft, you know, just to keep us up and running and.
3: And Nathan announced his appearances at some upcoming cons. So he'll be at Nathan Fode, I should say, he'll be at Galaxy con rally in north carolina on july 27th and 28th he'll be at galaxy con san jose california august 17th and 18th and galaxy con columbus ohio december 7th and 8th this is the lucius episode that's why we're talking about nathan and we're joined today by uh some special guests we have ya author kylie shakti who is new to the pod and kylie is author of the YA novels You're Next, and Hearts of Gold. Welcome, Kylie. Thank you. Hi. How did you get into watching the show?
4: (laughs) So my younger sister recommended it to me. She texted me, I think, pretty shortly after the finale of season one aired. And she was like, you know, you're writing a book about gay pirates. I just watched a show about gay pirates that was pretty good. I think you would like it. And she's like normal fan. Like she loves the show. She reads some fanfic. I was like, sure, why not? I'll give it a go. And I had the like, my brain chemistry has been permanently altered effect of like my reaction to the end of season one is what clued me into the fact that my meds needed to be readjusted. Like that's the level of sort of deranged. That I, which I feel like I'm in good company here. At least yes. people, you guys can probably relate to this to some extent. Um, she, my sister had to like semi lovingly threaten to block me at one point in like April of last year. She was like, if you do not stop texting me about the show and your like various conspiracy theories about this. But I just like baby duckling style imprinted on ed and like it's just never been the same ever since
3: also on the show is katie loopy danger frog on ao3 and katie is a podfic narrator and does voices for all your favorite podfics thanks for having me back what have you been up to since we saw you last oh you know
0: working recording Than normal, (laughs) scrolling through Twitter endlessly.
3: And Katie, I should describe since this isn't video, Katie is wearing the Walmart orange pajamas. Uh, which reminded me that I need to head to Walmart and get these. They are so cozy. 10 out of 10. And Lacey is also joining us on the pod. And Lacey, this is congratulations. You are a Gold Star pod co-host. This is your third three out of three. Perfect attendance. And uh, Lacey, what have you been up to this week?
2: Uh, this week, I interviewed uh, someone for my podcast. I interviewed Duncan Crabtree Ireland from Sag ah, right. I know, we love Duncan uh, in this house. Uh, Duncan's the National Executive Director and Chief negotiator for SAG-AFTRA um I got I talked to him a bunch of times on the picket lines themselves during the strike it's an at comic-con but we finally had the chance to sit down together virtually and have a full-length interview conversation so that'll be up on the Temple of Geek podcast at some point this week I'm not in charge of the editing and producing I'm just the I'm just the host
0: you're just the messenger
3: I can't messenger. wait um how long is it gonna be should be 45 to 50 minutes. That's amazing. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to listen. Also joining us on the channel is Carly Del Sosa-Vedra, who is a photographer of the pa- fandom. And what have you been up to this week, Carly? Uh, just
1: a lot of wheels spinning on how to just keep the pressure on to woo different studios or to um, have HBO take us back for the last season, if that is still on the table. I'm just supporting the the cast and the crew as much as um, I can um, on a visual level through Twitter and yeah, mainly Twitter. I heard you were planning something. I'm planning two different things and mm. uh, yeah. So February 11th and February 13th um, will hopefully be uh, at least for Southern California two opportunities for fandom folks to meet in cosplay. Uh, the 11th for San Diego, the 13th for LA. Uh, oh. so They're a little tentative for that, um, but. The one on the 13th is actually go- being co-planned with folks who are wanting to do something in front of the, uh, well, in, in um, for the BBC in UK- the UK. Um, oh, how like fun. A little bit of an international something, something to show our love. Um, but it's all kind of like, the more I get into it, the more I step back to see like how a, a big picture to this can be in order to get people who can't physically make it to all of their, um, to the actions to how they can support online as well. So...
3: Oh my gosh, I did not know this was going on. I'm so excited. I will definitely be there at the LA one. Um, I scooped you. (laughs) (laughs) Astrologically, February 13th is the Mars-Pluto conjunction, which is usually associated with things like war and fighting or obsession. So we'll have have fun in LA. (laughs) Yeah, I'm in. I'm all in. Uh, and I am, I should introduce myself, I'm Carly Heath, a writer in Los Angeles, and this is the Our Flag Means Fan podcast. This show is all about positivity, creativity, unseriousness, and ideas being generated. My intention is that after you listen to the show, your brain will be exploding with hundreds of new creative ideas and you'll dive into your writing or art or whatever you're doing Uh, with all sorts of creative fervor and if you aren't a writer this podcast will hopefully rekindle your love for the greatest series of all time exciting news we now have listeners in at least 20 different countries and some of those countries have laws against queer media so good job those of you who are listeners in those countries you are being gay and doing crime by listening to us, so thank you. We are this week talking about everyone's favorite sassy pirate. We're talking about Lucius Spriggs. And I looked up some of Lucius's tropes on uh, tvtropes.org. See if this checks out with you guys. Beard of Sorrow. This is when a character grows a full beard uh, after surviving a series of traumas. Nice job. (laughs) Yes. One (laughs) one so
2: far. Mm
4: And I feel like sort of a, like a uh, sort of j- trope subversion thing happening with that a little bit too. Cause I feel like Lucius is not the type of character that you often think of when you think of a beard of sorrow type of move. It's often you're sort of like grizzled, hardened, you know, like war hero, whatever in the sequel, who's, you know, growing out the beard and they're living off the land and they've removed themselves from play society or whatever. And Lucius is just our favorite dumb gay bitch. And so I love seeing you know, as in all the ways that the show subverts so many tropes and genres in such a lovely way. Um, it's kind of cool to see that too.
3: Also reminds me of this meme that I saw on Instagram, which was, if you isolate yourself after trauma, chances are that means you grew up in an environment where you had to solve your problems yourself. And I'm like, ooh, that one, relatable. Two, <laughs> that gives us a lot of backstory on Lucius, potentially. And Kylie, since you are a writer, you're like a you know traditionally published YA writer as well, uh, you, you probably are familiar with the idea that when you're developing a character, you develop their core wounds. And you try and figure out what their misbelief is and how they then um, make choices acting on that misbelief. So it made me think for fanfic writers, that's your backstory there. That's your Lucius there, a kid who had always had to solve his problems himself.
4: So he weren't already like too deeply relatable to me. Nathan Fogg gave an interview. I cannot remember when it was, but it, it might have been at a con that was recorded, 'Cause I know that all the casts when they first auditioned, they had to do that like improv around their backstory. And he didn't want to share his, which as an actor, I can like if you were improvising a backstory on the fly, I can absolutely relate to like not wanting to tell people the like random bullshit that I came up with. But he made this really interesting point about how, you know, during that time period wishes can read, he can write, these are not common skills that people would have, and it implies quite a lot about his background from a wealth perspective, from a class perspective, from an education perspective, obviously, and how, like, those would have been really valuable skills, and yet he still somehow ended up in piracy, and not even, you know, like, on, I say this with love, the ship of loser pirates. So. Like What does that tell us about what must have gone so horribly awry in his early life for him to have ended up where he did? Um, and he kind of left it at that but I I've like knew I've, that quote has obviously stuck with me for a long time. Um, so I thought that was a really astute observation about that character.
3: Yeah, it makes you wonder if his parents were not great and he ran away from home and he had to figure things out on his own. So my theory is that he um,
1: kind of He was born into like maybe like a brothel or a home of um, ill repute. And his father is maybe like just kind of an older person who like just has the means to maybe help take care of him and his mom as they grew up. Um, So not a lot, not a life of luxury, but definitely like a little bit more comfortable of a life Um, Mm -hmm. and maybe like paid for schooling. But schooling got uh, cut short because uh, the benefactor passed away. and, And that's how Lucius ended up. In a place where he could be a pickpocket and like have a, a lot more uh, a sharp view of the world versus, but still knowing how to read and kind of um, having had access to a much more comfortable life. Ooh, I like that.
4: He makes that comment in season one to Jim of like, my mom thought I like girls for years. And I, I think, I love that there is still actually some ambiguity around that because certainly like one very clear read on that is that there was a necessity to hide that fact about himself but also like as somebody who came out later in life, like I certainly really, who grew up in a very liberal family um, and had tons of queer friends and was very much the like, I'm the allied part of gay straight alliance type of thing in school. Um, I think that like, th- that's also a big part of the queer experience is like this sort of innate secrecy that you kind of grew up unquestioning that like, do you actually have to be hiding? like? I am hiding some of this stuff by instinct, but I, or even from myself, um, that maybe I don't need to be. That there, are, even when I know that there are people out there who would love and accept me, like maybe as parents, um, I'm still going to like not look too closely at this thing going on inside my own heart and my mind. Um, so it, it still leaves it open to multiple reads.
2: Yes. Compulsory heterosexuality is a hell of a drug, isn't it?
4: Yes, really, really fucking is. The, the
3: hetero default. The oh I'm I'm just a normal person, so I must be hetero. Boring queers exist. I <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Other tropes, beleaguered assistant, bed a couple. He and Pete serve as a bed a couple to Steed and Blackbeard. Uh, this leads into one of my questions: is why do we love Pete and Lucius as a couple?
0: Pete down bad so quick. Pete makes that couple. Not that Lucius doesn't make, like, isn't as infatuated, but Pete's infatuation and, like, big dumb-dumb-boy vibes <laughs> make mm-hmm. make it what it is. Because Lucius is like, oh, sweet child.
4: <laughs> I mean, I love it's, the man,
1: but...
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
4: I think it's really emblematic about what is so beautiful about the show. It, it, it's sort of, like, core to the ethos of the show is this, like in the same way that I respond so much to the relationship between Ed and Steve, where I am not somebody who can really handle a ton of like cringe humor. I was a little leery of the show at at the outset because of that. But there's something so affirming of how deeply these people love each other at their most embarrassing. And it's not I love you in spite of this thing, but it's this sort of like unfair lynching regard for each other even like pete is probably he's up there with Steve for most embarrassing members absolutely crew, like taking <laughs> just in his no own hesitation. context. <laughs> and lucius is probably up there with ed for like least embarrassing although i would argue that they're both losers in their own right um just like everybody else they just hide it better Um, but I think that, like, in spite of that, there's no, like, I'm condescending to date you or to love you, or I'm getting past these ugly flaws about you. It's like, it's just like a no brainer, like, we just not have to think twice about loving him. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think there's something so like, healing about that for a lot of people. So much of the show being the themes being about, questioning our own lovability and, you know, are we somehow like fundamentally broken or monstrous inside? There's something fundamentally wrong with us that somebody else can see that in you and think, no, actually like those, it's not hard to love those parts of you. I think that's part of what I really respond to with Pete and Lucius as well.
0: To that point, in both seasons, we see Lucius warm and like settle and calm down in pete's presence Mm -hmm. like at the beginning of season one he's super anxious he's super like weary of everything and he's Mm -hmm. a very different lucius by the end of the season um Mm -hmm. and so i i think that is a huge testament to like finding that family and the loved ones
4: something i've been thinking about a lot with season two is like something i really appreciate that they did is that Lucius is really not okay in that season I remember there was a critic early on in the airing of season two who was like complaining about how his storyline was too dark and I actually like he's so the like emotional support dog of season one and he's like doing all the emotional heavy lifting for so many people and to see him be really struggling and need help in season two and to get that help not from like Olawande, who's equally emotionally competent but from all of the, uh, you know, from Pete, from Steve, from Izzy, the other people who are sort of emotionally fucked up and they're not all equally great at helping and supporting him, but everybody's trying and everybody's showing up for him in their own, like to their own capability. It, it speaks to A, the fact that even the most sort of like emotionally hypercompetent competent among us, like still need help sometimes, but also that like we're all capable of showing up and loving each other and supporting each other even when we feel like, or even when we are, pretty fucked up ourselves
3: okay going down the list of tropes brilliant but lazy
4: I, object to this one. I I also object to this
3: one okay object tell us your objection he works smarter not harder
0: yeah. and that's not exactly. a fault mm. against him that doesn't make him lazy mm-hmm. it does make him know that he's not gonna fuck <laughs> around with doing chores and shit but that doesn't mean that he's lazy
3: <laughs> he is it's the ship's not- scribe
4: he really it's you know, not his job it's not his job so, yes i'm like to what you were saying um he is described that is what he's hired for like that is a skilled position that he was hired for it is not his job to be doing that stuff when he says in season one that he doesn't clean things that's not Mm -hmm. like him being a little bitch about it that's real
0: and i mean and if it even (laughs) is him being a little bitch about it who cares he's standing up for himself
4: we're all entitled to be a little bit um, My hot take is that he is a competent pirate. He goes toe-to-toe with Ed, like scariest pirate in the world, allegedly in season one, um, quite a bit. And he stands his ground when he needs to. He pickpockets Jackie. We know that that's like a whole skill set that he has as well. I think he's very smart and very wily about the way that he employs his skills. And he's not, he's like very self-aware about what his strengths and weaknesses are. And he's not about to like, you know, well, like some people um, like, <laughs> although, Clearly that works out well for some people. But I, I think that like he has his own set of competencies and he's very self aware about what those things are. And also like, as you said, what he can get away with working smarter, not harder. I'm a to defender to my core.
3: Other trope. Um, I had to look this up one up, butt monkey. Um, so he is the butt of all the jokes because he was locked in the trunk. He's had his clothes ruined twice. Uh, he loses his finger. He was thrown overboard by ed i hate that name <laughs> do?
0: that's that's fucking rancid word. i don't know the origin of that but i feel like we should dig and it's gonna be questionable like that I've just feels it. problematic like,
4: mm. i just like what does that mean i genuinely don't understand like it's not descriptive in any way that is immediately clear to me so i'm looking on that rancid I know uh, that
2: that that's a tangent. That wasn't I found a Reddit post stopped. from eleven months ago about how the butt monkey is my least favorite trope in fiction. Just Reddit taking answer. one character and just abusing them. I do them. I
4: don't I I agree with you term is The term is
2: icky. I don't like the way that tastes. I
4: do kind of love the running joke of season one where Lucius keeps almost dying. And then like in, we now know that he survives, but dies in air quotes at the end of it, that he keeps surviving all of these attempts against his life from Jim and from, you know, like all of these different directions. There's all these, you know, the finger, he almost dies. There's so many opportunities where he could, um, you know, and especially as like, you know, being perceived as the weakling on the ship. Um, But he keeps, you know, he's like a little cockroach, keeps coming back. Um, Love I do that. enjoy that little pattern with him.
3: Love that. Okay, yeah, we, another problematic term, the camp gay. Cigarette of anxiety. Lucius takes up smoking after going through all his trauma. The confident the dead pan snarker death by genre savvy so this is the character who knows what genre they're in so according to this uh, definition Blackbeard was attempting to kill Lucius by throwing him overboard as Lucius is the only character who recognizes the rom-com between Ed and Steed killing him is Blackbeard's attempt to wrench the story out of that genre it's subverted in season 2 where it's revealed that Lucius survived. I
4: thought that was such a poetic way of putting it, but like Ed is trying, you know, as desperately as he can to wrench the story out of being a rom com at the end of season one. And that is why Lucius has to die is like to move this firmly out of rom com territory. And I just I thought what a like heartbreaking and like apt way of putting Ed's emotional state at the end of the first season mm-hmm. of
2: Oh my God, that's such a great analysis of the trope and the genre and the narrative. Yeah,
3: (laughs) poetic and so meta. It makes you almost think about like, okay, how can I do a fic where it's, A fight it's a battle between lucius and or between two characters even even like you know something not related to fan fiction but something general where two characters are insisting that something is a specific genre and they are trying really hard to make it one genre or the other you have one character who's like insisting no this is this is a horror film or this is a horror novel and another character who's insisting no this is a rom-com and then they fall in love oh i love Love it. Okay. Uh, ethical slut. Yes. Or yes. just polyamorous uh, finger. So uh, finger gore. <laughs> Genre savvy. What we get just talked about. Oh my god, this is happening. Yeah. Um, Grew a spine, spends earlier episodes extremely uneasy, and then eventually grows confident enough to put Izzy and Blackbeard in their place. Um, And that's thanks to Pete, uh, the heart out of the entire crew, he's the one most concerned with everyone else's feelings and the one to point out when those feelings could be hurt. Uh, He's the one who, in season two, who points out the bar is on the floor when he realizes everyone's just going to accept Ed's apology. Hot-blooded sideburns. Then this is a subversive trope because you usually have the long sideburns on an extremely heroic masculine character. And you, we ha- have the sideburns on a character who's extremely
4: let's say, just say intellectual and cautious. Again, this show is so good it's subverting tropes, like just left and right. I thought you it know. was just a period thing. I'm gonna
0: be honest about that one. I had no idea. Who
3: knows? Was it intentional or was it just put on there because it was a period thing or was or it or funny?
4: Yeah, you never know with this show of like which of these things is just like because of the laugh or because of like some deep and meaningful metaphorical reason or...
3: Well, when you think of sideburns, you think of Elvis, I think is the main sideburn dude. And in a way, Lucius is the exact opposite of Elvis in every possible way.
4: That is a sentence I just I feel confident has never been uttered before, like <laughs> Those even in the context. Together. Of the like yes, Lucius and Elvis together in a sentence. It's just like not a place I thought this conversation was gonna go, but I'm delighted by
2: it. I want an alignment chart of sideburns, like a scatter chart, but a, like <laughs> a more alignment grid of like yeah. of sideburns. So you've got like Lucius, Elvis. All the boys in Bridgerton and anything else in the Pride and Prejudice like Austin era. I we could probably think of some more sideburns, but we'd have to think of like what okay. the axes
3: are. Someone make it. Sideburns um on one side, zero sideburns on the other okay, side. So magnitude of the burns. Okay. <laughs> it burns on
2: on the x axis, and then the y okay. axis is hot bloodedness. And then you have if anyone listens to the adventure zone, because this is a podcast, Magnus sideburns, medium hot bloodedness, and a Big fuck off sideburns.
3: Okay, so we're doing we're, we're doing the um the thickness of the sideburns. The, yeah, the, and then we're doing the um on the vertical axis. Hot bloodedness is, is the hot bloodedness. And what's the opposite of hot blooded?
2: Chillness
3: hot-blooded. and emotionally reserve reservedness. Intellectual, like hot blooded on one side, and then like intellectual on the on the other side. You would be hot blooded and smart. Right.
2: Yeah, hot blooded like to emotionally be, like, easily um, agitated fine. or like high energy. Yeah, I had to define hot blooded before. I need to Google some antonyms. Hold quick, on. Emotionally stable, it's, it's
4: quick quick emotionally or, like yeah. reserved. Detached. I think emotionally, I think that emotionally detached. Yeah, I think Papa Dead is being like quick to temper.
1: Burt Reynolds to Data, maybe, as far as like uh, the scale.
3: After this podcast is over, I'll I'll make the graphic of this chart and then you guys can start filling it in. You know, because Steve has sideburns kind of early on in episode in season one.
4: Season one. Yeah. Yeah, but I would argue. I know because I have them. Blooded. I would argue is also hot blooded, just in a sort of not what we would think of as necessarily being traditionally masked kind of way, but yeah. as, Uh in a bitchy way. Hot. Yes, exactly.
3: Bitchy hot blooded. That's another. Anyway, we should we'll move it along. Okay. Hot other... blooded. Okay. Yeah. Go on. I am not pretty. Uh, Lucius cheerfully admits that he thinks his own looks are so so, but he's decided to act like he's cute. Love it. Meaningful name, Lucius means light, tying him to Steed's lighthouse motif. He's not the first mate, but he's probably the member of Steed's crew closest to him. He also serves as the guiding light in Steed and Ed's relationship, uh, which is why Ed as the Kraket immediately gets rid of him, throws him overboard to let his dark side take over. Uh,
4: Having him be like the viewer's analog in their relationship is such a... It, it's so perfectly balanced. And I, I think like I could talk endlessly about the performances that Reese and Tiger are giving, but I think like not enough credit is given to Nathan as a seed, scene partner because I think we read so much of Nathan's like natural real life affect in the way that he plays Lucius, but I think that the way... Like, there's a lot of really particular moments with both Ed and Steve that I think just don't exist performance-wise without such a generous partner that um Nathan's being a lot of
3: those beautifully said um what the, which just gets to another question I'm gonna have later but why not add it ask it now um what do we love best about Nathan's performance delivery baby so it's,
2: it's just iconically yeah.
3: yeah
0: we know that like from interviews like Kylie has kind of referenced that they did pick him because they wanted like they had seen the videos he was making yeah and did wanted- you see
3: the specific video that made taika like reach out to him? Yes, it's no. so. tell me. I no, you know. Oh my gosh. Okay. is it the Noah's Ark one? It's no, the Noah's
4: Ark one. really Oh, it's I like thought it was the
3: 1917 one because that was like oh, I replied oh. on. But is this gonna be one of those links in the comment section? Yeah, we'll put it, a link to the in the comment yeah. section. So maybe. uh the, the whole story is Nathan back in the day was doing all these videos that he would post to Twitter, which are hilarious. If you haven't had a chance to watch these old Nathan Foad videos, they are You will cry laughing so hard, Um, and I thought the one that Tyka reached out to Nathan on was it was called the only gay extra on the 1917 movie set, referring to the Sam Mendes World War One movie that was like all done in one take, and it's a very Lucious performance. It's so funny, you will cry rivers of tears while you're laughing so hard
4: (laughs) he has this really funny quote from some interview where he was like you know he was it was one of his. it's like his first major acting role season one um on like a traditional set I think and I he was like I was really nervous and I was trying really hard to be like this really dedicated and studious actor and somebody it might have been Jenkins or whoever was directing the particular episode pulled him aside and was like You know, you can just like be a dumb little bitch if you want. And so (laughs) he was like, okay, I know how to do that.
2: Um, And I took that personally.
0: (laughs) And then the leashes we know (laughs) is.
4: He folded that into his little heart. (laughs) Something that I think the show does not get enough credit for performance wise across the board is how seamlessly it toggles back and forth between drama and comedy, Mm. which is incredibly difficult Mm. to do. And I think Nathan in particular, again, is like, so his delivery is so iconic and it's so hard, you can get so lost in like delivering these sassy little one-liners, but to be able to do that and also have those really beautifully tender moments um, like in the pillow cord, and when he's doing the like breakup conversation with Steve um, with the spyglass um, yeah. and then all the moments where he's like giving Ed what for, I think, like, to be able to switch back and forth so easily between those two things is just really, like, nothing short of a sounding.
0: You got to prove you care, right? And I think Nathan does that really well, that he proves that he cares about Lucius. We believe Lucius cares about everyone in some way, shape, or form on that ship. Beautiful.
3: Okay, uh, he is the sarcastic devotee. He really gets around. We missed that one. Which he he's just polyamorous. We love that about him. And well, he yeah. draws everyone
1: well that's the the ethical slut as well just yeah
2: he's under the ethical non-monogamy umbrella
3: i love Mm -hmm. i love
2: the we don't own each other line and when we get to what we'd like to see in season three
3: beautiful yeah. yeah, he is the secret keeper. Keeps Jim's secrets, and he's terrible at keeping secrets. So he confesses. Uh, sticky fingers, because he is a pit pocket pickpocket. Uh, he took a level in jerk ass, understandably due to trauma. Lucius was always snarky, but spends most of his time in the second season, first a uh, few episodes, lashing out at everyone, including Pete. Um, He is the trauma conga line. Yeah, I think Lucius has been through more trauma than anyone else on the show. And he faced uncertain doom in um, season one. Good. So we covered Lucius's backstory quite a bit. What is your favorite Lucius scene in the show? Anyone? I
2: have,
3: I was gonna say I have an epitome
0: for um the this is far too fast, this is far too fast, this is far too fast into Izzy discovering him drawing Feng. Um mostly because I also love Feng. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and so we get a lot of them together in that moment
2: i really do like the actually i think i'm just so so but i've decided to carry myself like i'm cute because it's so it just is so so mm. Mm -hmm. it's not just like delusion he's like no i know what i'm like but like i've realized that the way i conduct myself and the confidence that i project really is what's gonna dictate how i experience the world and i just love that
1: Mm -hmm. and i'm a good a good intro to the vibe that he's yes. going to carry. Yeah. Mm. I like the mm. how he steps into Steed's space at the end with the eyeglass. Like she's just, I think he's, he's a character in the show that is fully aware of everything going on around him and just kind of picks and chooses on what he's going to um, kind of interject himself into. Yeah. He makes choices about like what kind of drama he steps into or not. And I think him stepping in and helping Steed through, through the breakup or the rupture. <laughs> Is beautiful.
4: I mean, I've talked like at length now about how much I love the Pillow Fort scene. I I, again Mm. think that Mm. like Taika's performance in that scene is just breathtaking, so it gets a lot of the attention. But I think again, like that just does not exist without the like incredible sincerity that Nathan Mm. brings to that scene and how easily he's able to sort of like bring down the volume and the intimacy. But I also, I just, I could watch the um, episode seven where he's like giving Ed hell for, uh, during the treasure hunt. I I could watch that like on repeat. And specifically like, I love when he's giving him the whole like you're gonna end up dying alone speech. But my favorite part of that is the moment afterward as he's, you know, Ed has this sort of sweet coming over and, you know, like rectifying the situation. you know, cheering seat up, and as he sort of wanders off with the map, Nathan or just has that moment where he's like, "That was very sweet," and it's like, "I will stab you in the face." That's, mm-hmm. I think, one of my favorite beats between the two of them. I think just the again, like switching so easily between like really ruthless sincerity to like that, that cute little comedy beat between the two mm-hmm. of them is really well, well done.
3: And what? would be the most awesome thing for lucius to do in either season three or in fix Ooh, would you like to see who was it that mentioned in chat something
2: about him becoming like the negotiator for the new river yeah <laughs>
3: uh, yeah in the chat we were ch- talking about what would lucius look like as a competent pi- pirate and tony said well lucius who has skills as a negotiator and so i said he is the parlay specialist <laughs> he's
2: the- i would love to see him like shout out to tony Yarins on instagram and i think twitter um for like flagging that because like they're uh, he's absolutely right like I- i'd love to see lucius stepping in to a more active role because in season one right he is steed scribe he's kind of Steed's bitch and what a bitch he is we fucking love him um and then in season two he's he's dealing with his emotional arc and then um yeah i would i would love to see like the growth from season two can like just like i have so many feelings about like a potential season three and all the fics i've read about the new revenge like I'd love to see him, this is a very long roundabout way for me to say, like, I'd love to see him take a more active role in, like, diffusing situations or manipulating situations. Like, boy, if he was a D&D character, has, like, I feel like he has the charlatan background and his charisma is his highest stat. I think I actually rolled a character for Lucius. I'll find the stats in chat and we can. <laughs> in the show notes. Thank,
1: you, thank you. my
2: next Baldur's Gate 3 character will be Lucius Spriggs I will not be taking any feedback thank you cool.
4: <laughs> my like deranged left field thing for season three is there is a real historical pirate with the last name Francis Spriggs
3: Francis Spriggs, but, like,
4: Francis Spriggs. He, and he looks kind of like Lucius at least in the illustrations that I've seen and so I would love and Foe to get an evil twin moment. I still am like ride or die for the whole third Badminton theory, yeah. but I think Nathan could really do something special with that for that. And
3: so what would be funnier? Um, Francis Spriggs being the opposite of Lucius in every way or... Francis Spriggs being the exaggeration of Lucius in every way for evil. First
2: one, because I feel like we got the second one with King Ricky in season two.
3: Both? In relation to Steed, not in relation to Lucius. Sorry, brain went too fast. Oh, you think Ricky is like the exaggeration of Steed? Yeah, definitely. definitely. I Wholeheartedly
4: agree with that. <laughs> but, like,
3: <laughs> the exaggeration of Lucius being like so snarky so faster with the one-liners so um bitchy so sassy but using it all for evil i'm gonna say i kind
0: of view lucius is like the middle child a little bit like the outcome mm-hmm. of a middle child situation and so i almost would love to see like big it be like big brother where he's like oh my fucking god like <laughs> like can't like oh big brother is like being a pirate pirate like i don't know that feels like it could be kind of funny big brother and yeah,
3: sassy is. big brother
0: or I big brother he, as i think like, more
4: opposite
0: yeah i think he's got to be like stereotypical like macho man gross heteronormativity vibe
4: almost izzy like in a way um, yeah. and i think that that would actually add a lot of complexity to what we already know about the izzy and um lucius relationship and dynamic I think to see a brotherly character. I, I I, love the unresolved sexual tension between Lucius and Izzy, don't get me wrong, but I think seeing adding an extra data point of a brother that sort of fits in that same vibe I think would be interesting and compelling. And I would just I'd love Nathan to get the chance to play something that is still both playing to all of his strengths but also like I still think there's a lot of room for bitchiness within that but also Something that's so different from what he's doing with Lucius would be really cool.
0: Also, throwing out there, Izzy is is Daddy not
1: Big Brother? I would like a, 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 to see in season three uh, like the development of like the ethical slut polyamory um, throuple, whatever it is that we want to explore in in um, some of the characters. And I would love for him to kind of like pull together his twenty husbands <laughs>
4: and just okay. Do I think Lucius Briggs
1: is a kitchen
2: table polyamory or what? Like I want to explore. The full gamut of that relationship Love um it. Jim, Olu, and uh Shao. Xiao. Like the oh, yeah. show was going places, <sighs> it's still going
4: places. <laughs> I might be Dululu. <laughs> I don't think I am. I don't think you are at all. I hope I enthusiastically agree. Mm-hmm. Something could be I'll fun
0: go. in that all of like Lucius being like the ship's like therapist slash sex counselor Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. we see that kind of he falls into that like therapy trope a little bit but then like also being like that's not safe
2: sex let's talk about it
1: but also he like he diffuses like um like we don't all own each other or we don't like what is the exact line we don't
2: own each other we don't own each other like
1: like drawing mm -hmm. so that like really that just diffuses um Kind of the idea of like jealousy and possessiveness and like throughout the ship, I feel like in the way that I ship the
3: ship. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. more of that, more of that, please. Uh, so, who do we ship Lucius the most with?
4: Oh, I mean, the Pete relationship. I, like, yeah. I can read a fic with Lucius with literally anybody, and I like even like truly deranged combinations. And I'm like, oh, okay, sure, that makes sense by the time, you know, especially considering how talented the writers in this fandom are. But I like, you can make me believe anything. Um, but I think that Pete relationship it just like really, I cried when I, during the proposal scene and I have cried every time I've watched it since. Like it just really hits me in the heart.
1: I think Pete and Fang equally in my book is how he fits.
3: And what's that dynamic? What's the Pete, what's the uh, Lucius Fang dynamic like for you? Um, I think Fang just is uh, just a
1: big cuddly loving teddy bear of a person. And I think Lucius was like, coming at it from much more snarky needing to have defenses up because of like you know the things that just the harder harder parts of life he has a lot of his armor up um so fang is just kind of a safe space like his his uh pillow fort his safety blanket
4: i think there's something to be said too especially in the first season this is part of why the writing in the show is so good is it's so dense with meaning we get so few lines from either of them about their relationship fang and lucius but the few that we do imply quite a lot of the same thing happening For fang that this is a place where he's able to open up and be soft in a way that maybe has not been available to him in other places Mm -hmm. that line where he's like I've never had anyone take any interest in my form before I think especially coming from a fat character is like the you know the body positivity or body sort of like acceptance neutrality whatever you want to call it of that it's really beautiful and I think like especially what we know of how masculinity and sexuality are viewed Mm. within the context of like more traditional piracy and what we can assume about what was going on in the culture of um, Blackbeard ship previously and that crew I think it I do get the sense I don't think I'm reaching too hard to say that it feels like this is something that's something new that's happening for Fang as well particularly in season one Mm. how quickly he goes from that to you know, how um, protective he is of Lucius in episode six with his finger and everything. And the mm. visual- Don't
3: cut off the boys' thingies. Thingies.
4: Uh, little that is, thingies. Little is One of the <laughs> fucking funniest lines in the show. <laughs> um, I think to go from that, you, you contrast that with Ivan who, you know, at the very end of season one, when they're like rowing away from the island after they've, um, what's it called? Uh, Marooned everybody. Um, Ivan butters under his breath. I didn't notice this until recently. He's like fucking weirdos as he's rowing away. Um, And I, like you see how much Fang has sort of like been integrated into the crew and how excited he is for the talent show. And I think a lot of that is, we can infer as Lucius' influence. I think that's, I agree with you that there's a sort of like cuddly warmth Um, thing that Lucius is accessing in that relationship. But it kind of seems like it goes both ways as well.
3: So you talked about sprizzy. Why is sprizzy such a fascinating dynamic?
2: Mm.
0: They hate each other, but they love that they hate each other. It's it's frenemies, right?
2: it crackles
4: there's something about their dynamic where Izzy is much older than Lucius but also the vibe is very much that Lucius is more Experience. experienced and grounded in himself as far as his sexuality mm-hmm. and that weird discrepancy or not weird but like the tension in that discrepancy I think is really compelling yeah I think with the the oh. Old- Daddy scene. So cringe. So cringe. So cringe, (laughs) but
2: so iconic. Like, our flag means daddy came from that. I'm sorry.
4: Can we just stay for a second? Like, when you look at the show and all of the incredibly cringe things that happen in it. For that to somehow stand out, I think I can safely <laughs> say in everybody's mind as easily the most cringe thing that happens in the show in either season is really a standout achievement. So, <laughs> like we should really talk about that. Really
2: iconic,
1: thank and you, off, Right, like Khan went on for quite a lot. I l- think long the take was
2: then. longer than that. I think he yeah. said it was longer. Much mm-hmm. longer,
1: beautiful. That's, that's, that's
2: what just, was.
0: Yeah, warms the heart. <laughs> release the cut. You, release the uncut version, you cowards!
2: Oh my god! Please. Okay, so lore for you guys that I haven't shared anywhere. Woo!
3: we're getting we're getting an exclusive. We're getting an exclusive fandom lore. So, okay, Kylie, we haven't brilliant. met,
2: but in case in case you don't know, I'm the one that recorded the nipples nipple height video and the tall mm-hmm. energy video with Conan Samba on the WB picket line. Incredible um, work. Hero. Resting on Hero my laurels taking a good little nap here. <laughs> oh, no, we were actually talking about how much we, like, really want a DVD. Like, obviously, obviously we weren't, like, talking about the show. Wink. Um, We were talking about how desperately I was like, I want a third season because because I was the first person to know this, but I didn't say anything. Khan was telling me about how we were talking about the scene between in Calypso's birthday where wee John like gets him into makeup. And I was like, I totally like headcanon now that wee John is his drag mother. And then that's, Khan told me um, about like, yeah, there was the additional line that was cut. What was it? Can you make me pretty? Make me pretty. Yeah. Make me pretty. Oh. And I was like, oh my God, I want to see that. And then we got on this tangent about how desperately we want dvd sets mm. with bonus features like blessings fucking blessings to samba for getting us all the bts yeah. but god i want a dvd set with bonus features and i want those cuts on there I want all to- the missing
4: scenes mm-hmm. something i'm so mad at is there are so many hbo shows now max whatever that get the like making of the episode like all of these shows get the like stay tuned at the, at the end of the episode for more behind the scenes or whatever mm. and like can you think of a single show where more people would be actually likely to watch that like i
0: i don't know I, we're I, pretty huge fan base
2: pretty normal really about, about content every here. i think you might be fishing <laughs> in the wrong i
4: <laughs> just like I'm wondering, you know, I, I work in um, like brand strategy stuff. And so, like as my day job, and so I, I like really wonder about like a show like Barry, which is great. But like, how many what's your percentage of the audience? that's actually watching that, like making of the episode, or I think they make like a podcast or something for each episode, like, how many people what's your conversion rate on who's actually listening to that? And how much higher would that be? Like, the return on investment for like producing that content, I was really at my like, clown time, my very boring clown time in the lead up to season two is that that was why it was taking so long for them to like announce when the season was coming out was that we were gonna get all of this like official max behind the scenes content of like the making of the episode or whatever because they knew that we wanted that so badly and of course that did not pan out um but i just like if you were going to do that for anybody why like this is the show because the production is so rich there's so much nuance and depth put into the way that they make everything and then on top of that like we would eat that shit up yeah. i'd be rewatching I, it now I, still I, uh- I always skip over all that behind the scenes stuff in other shows, but on this show,
3: I would watch everything and I already do. Mm. I seek it out. I follow like every um, prop person and, you know, set designer, decorator person on Instagram. I follow like everyone who ever has mentioned that they're on the crew or in the cast. I follow them all because I want all. I want all the behind- The scenes. performers.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I will also shout out the people who <laughs> steal all of their content and make compilation videos for YouTube. Because um, they're the real ones. But <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you can go back in posterity and watch it over and over again. Um, yes. So, yeah.
3: Yeah. Mm. And fan crew does a really good job of putting it all together into a single website that's easy to search. Like, mm. gosh, if Max just puts something out, we would- I would be eating it up, truly. Oh, so that to- and the
4: fact that we can't buy the Spanish Jackies t-shirt is like that. That's how I know that Max hates us. That's Correct. how I know. Like before we got canceled. Correct. That's how I knew that they hated us. Okay. okay so so Lacey, Lacey is
0: currently
3: oh. Oh, oh go for it. Yeah. Explain. Lacey is currently showing
0: a picture that of a fan art that Khan shared to his story. Um, can do you can I can't read the the artist? Can you?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
2: by Architank, A R C H E hank concert 11 it's hours ago and it's
0: lucius and izzy macking out.
1: beautiful
3: <laughs> it's very They've hot got, like uh, um lucius is grabbing, grabbing <laughs> izzy by the by the neck collar like like by this little scarf that he has around his neck cigarette tucked behind ear his other hand is post- around izzy's waist,
2: waist
0: probably post smoking scene because nothing hmm. is hotter then when izzy takes that cigarette from lucius and smokes it
3: oh. <laughs> and then puts it god, back in lucius's okay, mouth oh god i'm going to i'm going to comment that we just looked at this podcast yes and yes um Um, oh and who's the artist by the way we want to make sure we give the artist a shout mm, out arch tank a-r-c-h-e-t-a-n-k arch tank you are a beautiful artist thank you for sharing that
0: while we're talking sprizzy this is a great opportunity for me to yet again pitch the jawbreaker series by little seahorse um which is Mm. like bubblegum lesbian lucius and stone butch izzy um and it is so tasty so smutty Delicious. We love it. <laughs> Um, If we're moving on from Sprizzy Rex, I do have some other Lucius rare pair rex that are fun flavors. I don't know everyone's, um, I know this is not everyone's cup of tea, but ya bitch loves Calico Jack. So um, (laughs) this is a Calico Jack, Izzy, Lucius, modern AU fic where um, they're all at like a 4th of July party and Lucius gets his finger blown off because he runs up to try to like save a firework last minute. And Calico Jack and Izzy end up taking care of him and Romance and polyamory ensues. Um, that is um called Both Hands in the Dirt by Clouds Pass Me By. Um, and then The Young and the Menace by Fox is a steed Lucius AU. Hey, oh fucking good. <laughs> um, where um they're both male men. Um, and Lucius is like, Daddy, please. Um, nerdy daddy, we love. And that it's Truly um, uh, an experiment in just smut, but is a great, a great read.
4: It's also like, I gotta fuck that old man before my... him and Ed it's... get together. Uh, I was like, that fic, if I remember correctly, is like, I have to fuck that old man before he and Correct. Ed fall in love and get married. And I, like, as my, I am Sneaking like a die. <laughs> I, I ship everybody with everybody. Ed and Cedar, like, there's no, I'm not really like a steady hands person. I'm like, you, this is, you invented love. This is the greatest love story of all time. You belong together, no one else. But I love, like, uh, I can get behind, like, Lucius slotting into their weird dynamic in some kind of way of, like, I'm here to observe and to fuck and then to see myself out while you two stare, like, baby cow style into each other's eyes.
0: There's, I've read a few that are, like, especially, it's especially big usually during, like, the office and desk sex days in Kinktober of, like, (laughs) Lucius, Ed... steed situations with like the assistant dynamic um is pretty popular so very very fair those are just some of the oh, like beautiful. every other rec I have is pretty like common pairing for Lucius or trope for Lucius but those were were one since we're talking a little bit more rare pair. um Everyone's leaving. I'm so sorry my recs were so bad everyone felt the need to leave. I that's my... good. I'll leave just ask me to leave that's easier option That's here you're off the podcast right okay i'm like you might it. So
2: oh, sorry. Podcast, i'm so then. sorry right, yeah. i was oh, gonna always come with a massive oh, list of no i'm glad you do because i can't i don't remember half the shit i read and most of the shit i read is is gentle beard so like yeah. i'm like do i even read is it like i do but i don't remember what i it's called so, my legs were getting sweaty. No, I you're good.
0: <laughs> so a fun fact, I um kind of referenced this last time I was on. Um, but I keep a giant Excel sheet of everything that I've read. Um and so <gasps> right. um when Carly was like rockstar, I just searched the Excel sheet for rock star. And these were ones that I remember because I the authors were like a little more popular within within the Twitter fandom at least. And so I was like, Oh, it's probably one of these three, and
1: it was <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Thank you. So that's
0: how that happens is and why I remember things. Because I can yeah. frantically search Lucius Steed mailman and find the ficken 10 pen searches. Love it.
3: Brilliant. Thank you for your service. Oh, my God. Yeah. I Did hope someday like adult manually, in the way that you adult. Do you export or, or is it just manually every time you read something you like? No,
0: no, I export. So there's like a plugin you can use for Chrome. This is a, we can cut this, but there's an export mm-hmm. you can use for Chrome. Um, And so I pull that and track. That's how I track like my TBR and stuff too, because it's, I think it's easy easier because you can't search your marked for laters for tags and that's usually mm-hmm. what I want what to search for uh-huh. and so yeah, yeah so that is how I track it it's a nightmare sheet truly I have Wait, what
4: is the what's is the searchable? extension I'm, I'm like taking notes right now oh yeah I can hold on I can send I did like a
0: yeah give me one second I also there's a I made like a little Podfic Excel database in case people want to use that instead of searching through Ao3, and so I had written up a tutorial for someone because someone finally volunteered to
1: help me. While you're looking that up, um, when I brought up the the cringe scene of Ooh Daddy, um, and the dynamic between um Izzy and Lucius is the um, kind of the fact that like in the show, like homophobia doesn't really like have any like it doesn't it doesn't really show up in the show, um queer joy is really what it's like everything about the show so um that moment of the ooh daddy is kind of tied into the dynamic of those two as a ship because like you've got this like very queer positive really like in his bones is confident about like who he is and what his like and, and comfortable in his own like sexuality um sexual orientation and everything and then you've got like internalized homophobia um embodied in like that moment for izzy um And maybe throughout season one arc as well, that he could push back into kind of this place of like self-hatred that Izzy's got going on and then finding some kind of like spark and attraction
3: in that as he's pushing and those boundaries out of the way and smashing them for Izzy. Beautiful. I um, have a rec. It's called No Shark Did This. Oh, gosh, I should have written down the, the author's name. I forgot. This is just off my head. And it's about where uh, Izzy uh, sort of plays psychiatrist to Lucius. And I love it. And it's relatively short, I believe.
0: If we're talking therapy, Lucius, I have like a reverse, well, I mean, technically that was Izzy playing therapist too. Yeah. Um, I have a reverse situation where um this is like a newer fic that came out actually like a few weeks ago. Um, it's called Love Lucy and um it's advice columnist Lucius. And so Steed, Ed, Izzy are all writing in about (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> same situation
3: it's very funny oh cute okay uh, other f- other recs this is rec time I guess we're we're
4: doing <laughs> I have a few if that's okay yes um, List I tried to focus ones that I don't see recommended very often yeah. um so my first and like most I, I don't want to say most important but like this like is very precious to me is How Like a Horseshoe by Silly Teehee. Um, they wrote the Time in a Bottle series, that like epistolary series between Ed and Steve that I also adore. But this is it's um, Pete POV, but because of that, Lucius plays like a pretty important role in it. And it's all about sort of. The two of them and their love, and it is so explicitly written and so like tender and sincere. There's a line about a ladybug in it that like really gets me in my feelings every time. Um, Only Chance by Chocolate Pot, which I read recently, Chocolate which put. is a Lady Hawk AU, um, which is a movie that I have not seen in a while, but um, yeah, Lady Hawk a is phenomenal a
3: phenomenal movie 1980s movie, uh, 1980s fantasy movie. It's beautiful
4: and delightful, and uh, so like uh Ed is the wolf character, and Steed is the hawk character, and Lucius is the like thief guy from the movie. If anybody's, uh, anybody listening has seen it. And Matthew Broderick, um, Roger Howard yes, like, is guess, in that too, isn't he? And Michelle Pfeiffer. I, like, I've <gasps> um, I have not read
0: that fic, but I do love Chocolate Pot's writing,
4: and specifically phenomenal AU's, like really inventive premises Like that's, you know, Lady Hawk AU is not one that I would have gone for, like thought of on my own. Um, but really fun read. Uh to be speaking of the whole like Lucius slotting in between Ed and Seed situation, um, to be just a footnote in their paragraph by Fox Tales is a really fun, like threesome uh modern AU between the two of them that is like Lucius is sort of crashing on their couch while he's in between apartments and kind of finds himself in this uh HR nightmare sex situation that is really delightful to read. Um, and then living in a powder keg and giving off sparks by like, I think I'm pronouncing this right, Kiara Sarah, um, who's an author I would honestly read anything from. They only have a handful of things, but they're all so funny and have such phenomenal voice to them the um, like one line summary for this one is five people Lucius tried to get to kill Blackbeard and one time he decided to do it himself and there's like the the voice for each character and this is written so well and it's, like the humor of the show shines through so much and then from a for a long fic I think this is my last one is like the sea around the shore by the Sumerians which is incredible fic that I never see recommended anywhere and it's like one of my all-time favorites uh it's not necessarily Lucius focus but he has a pretty hefty role in it and has specifically i think like a pretty um well-developed relationship with ed it's set in between season one and th- it was written before season two so it's not canon compliant but the crew basically invents disneyland um is my like big selling point for this one and it or, like the concept of theme parks and it's so good
3: um
4: it's it's quite long, um, but they, yeah, they invent like franchising. It's so funny, um, and, and Lucia's was yeah, pretty cool in that one.
3: Any other, Lacey? Have you given your fic right, Rex? Yet? Oh, I've got is hell or high water by Model Moth, and it's not even, it's not even <laughs>
2: Lucius centric, but he's, he is the therapist <laughs> so on that fucking boat. Yeah, no, I don't have any specific recommendations. <laughs> no problem, no problem. Are, have we all got uh, Carly? Did you give your?
1: Yeah. So I just, uh, I haven't really read anything that's like, like. Um, Lucius centric, but um, I just noticed that like in the pattern of like everything that I do read and it tends to be all gentle beard um, because I just fucking love those two together that the the voice of Lucius from Canon TV show like Rings so True and like they so many of the authors are able to just nail it in terms of just how razor sharp his wit is and um, like the way that he's able to get it to perceive Steed and when Steed is kind of fucking off and not doing what he needs to be doing. So the ones that I like, um, where he's kind of, and he's always playing the assistant to, or you know those kind of like helper roles. Um, so the city never sleeps by um, Meta Meta Van Horst. Horst. Better than yeah. It's beautifully written, and I think he like every time he pops in there, he's just got like that very steady, clear Alucia's voice to him. Um, there's a mism- call out really. I want to call out really quickly that
0: um, that's an SMAU, which is a social media AU. <gasps> oh yeah. Um, so it's told through various types of media um, mm-hmm. and pictures, and that one is fully
1: online up to date on the archive yeah because you for, don't have to be on twitter to read the thread for the smau like that was like a i don't know like when that came into fandom world but like i fucking love like i i don't love it through twitter because i just lose a feed and i never go back to it but um i love being able to kind of like especially in this one here with the city um never sleeps uh the tweets that they have like the uh the the texts that they send back and forth to each other the memes that they choose to like communicate with each other um to each other with are pretty hilarious like uh yeah uh, mismatched uh by uh manic fanfic i think is another one- great one and then um ed actually and i was just looking up
3: okay oh and so, what is uh the manic one about
1: um it's uh it's called miss mismatched oh mismatched. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of it's really cute. Um, it's a what is it called? A meet matchmaking. Club. Yeah, and they're on the way to the airport. And one of them's a matchmaker, and the other one. what
0: Does Ed do again? Huh? Ed's a uh, like a romance author. That's um, right. Yeah. And like Ed believes in love, but hasn't found it. And Steve mm-hmm. is like anti love, but like is like it's formulaic. Obviously,
1: he's yeah, the matchmaker. It's a business transaction. You yeah, and so. The one- Ed is
0: like, I'm gonna show you that I can woo you through dates, and then they end up dating, but they're not dating because they're idiots, right? Um, <laughs> and yes. Lucius has to step in and be like, "You're idiots." <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> so it's like a great—I have it on my list too. It's like a great assistant, um, Lucius, in like an mm-hmm. SMAU format in particular. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, fucking fantastic. Um, and then Ed actually is, and also yeah. an SMAU it's um, by Pitty, rockstar, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's rockstar Ed. Yeah. um cool great great Rex. carly um, thank I do you a, i do have a
2: few more
0: yes give them again. more I may, one. So, oh lacy get history. in there get in there Lacey. i found
2: one in my bookmarks um <laughs> yeah. this is Lacey again it's never been sketched by surprise pink it's rated e it's lucius ed steed um lucius convinces steed to sketch him is the premise it's spicy obviously, and it's great.
3: Thank you. Beautiful.
0: Um, since we're on an SMAU chain, I'm gonna also pitch um, Lighthouse Expeditions by Are Toro, um, which is, um, a specific breed of Lucius within that fic where he is an actual influencer, so, um, Steed and Ed end up travel hosting, um, travel tours in Audoa, and um, so Lucius, as an influencer, is like a special a special breed of bitchy Lucius in that fic. I like that. Um, and so I I can't recommend that fic highly enough. Cool. To Steed this morning by Curio Cabinet is um, um. Lucius is interviewing famous country rock star and now curmudgeon Ed, and it's told through series of flashbacks of Ed's love for Steed. And so it's a country music, AU. It's um. But Lucius and Ed's relationship in that is just so pure and so good, and um, to see this morning is one of those fics that, well, it holds a special place in my heart. It was the first thing I ever did a full length pod fic for, um, mm-hmm. but um, when I am sad, I like will go back and read certain scenes from this fic like just over and over again, um, because Kirio Cabinets writing is just so freaking good. Um, so I cannot recommend that one enough, and that's a, a very lucius heavy thick um
4: it's basically like walk the line but gentle weird au and it like i mean that in the best possible way it's phenomenal
1: yeah and it's also johnny cash
4: AU. yeah yeah
1: it's lucius with both pete and fang as like correct that his partners that he has supporting him through this
0: yeah it's it's so good and lucius lucius's voice in it is so strong Mm -hmm. um in favor um with their stars by Mix mm. that I want to bring in because you have Lucius and Jim fighting to save Ed and Steeds love. Um so mm. um uh, that's kind of like um her meets space fic is like the the quickest pitch I can kind of give for it. Um, but Lucius in that I think is important. And then um Thingy Friends, which is Tardy Grape. Um, Thing is a dog doggy daycare owner, um, and Lucius is a uh. customer. So it's just like a fun, quick <laughs> oh. little one shot that I wanted to wreck. And then um, I went to London, and all I got was weird British food and the love of my life by Queen B Forty Two, which is actually written through Pete's perspective of him meeting Lucius, and is really cute. Okay, I'm done talking now. Sorry.
3: And I am. Um, I haven't finished reading this, but I just got uh, started. With it. It was recommended by Rosie last week. It's called, I'm looking for it right now. It's called, uh, This Is Not Your Grave, Get Out. And oh, it's so good. Okay. It's, uh, Lucius is like being kept in like a little room by Ed after he got thrown overboard. And I just started reading it late at night, so I haven't um, finished
4: the whole thing. He sneaks back on board after he gets thrown overboard and Ed catches him pretty quickly. And so, He's sort of like keeping him alive in the bathroom, not really sure what to do with him. And then the the follow-up fic to it, which I think is called Teeth Marks is also really good. And that's the like Ad and Steed Reunion companion. Uh, But it's beautifully written. The prose is really, really, really and lovely in that one.
3: Perfect, I can't wait to finish it. Um, And then uh, the care and feeding of the ship scribe, is another one I really liked because it's Lucius has PTSD and it's just little scenes, little vignettes of the rest of the crew taking care of him. And it's very nice and wholesome. Final question is what characters would we love to see Nathan Fode play? What type of character, what type of role would we like to see Nathan play in his post-Our Flag life?
2: I'd be quite intrigued to see something like diametrically opposite something like very straight-laced and serious and dramatic i'd love to see that
3: in a period sort of setting or in a contemporary or in a thriller or a western <laughs> oh my god a western
2: I-, I want to see nathan as the protagonist in a western i don't want to see that i don't watch westerns the bitchy I'm from the cowboy. <laughs> There is
0: something fun about that of him, like, playing, like, almost like a Moriarty, like, kind of character, like, smart and doesn't, and, like, super stressful and maniacal, but, like, doesn't act like it, you know what I mean? Like, is very nonchalant Mm. about how psycho he is. Could be kind of fun for him. Ooh, I like Mm -hmm.
4: that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not picky. I just want everybody on this show to stay, like, booked and busy. I, like, I trust all. Their judgment about like I want them to do every part like I just I want them to do shitty stupid roles and I want them like to have the opportunity to do stupid roles and I want them to have the opportunity to do, like high drama you know Oscar bait roles like I just I think mm. so many of the casts, this being like their big breakout moment in tv mm. I like my one hope is that they just get like every offer from every direction. I, I like. I want quantity over quality, honestly, for all of them because I feel like we'll get the gems because they're also fucking talented um, as long as people are just like handing them rules, hand over a fist because I think that all of them, especially somebody like Nathan who, again, wasn't necessarily trying to be an actor uh, professionally before this. Um, like what an incredible talent to have discovered. Like I want to just see him explore that in every direction, both good and bad.
1: I would like to see him as the uh, kind of hitman, like Jason Bourne, kind of action, <laughs> just
3: kicking ass, like
1: physically yes.
3: enthusiastic, actually yes. actually absolutely
4: <laughs> kicking ass,
3: but also funny. And I mean, I, I love that. Like, yes, and but uh, but like Jason Bourne, but funny, and Jason Bourne, but gay, and Jason Bourne, but feminine. Absolutely,
0: those are just yeah. givens, given nature, <laughs> right? Like, <I laughs> oh, don't, like right. right. I think saying, that's, that that's hanging a lantern on that table. I
4: <laughs> so think can anything be...
0: Nathan plays, don't yeah. bring it to the table.
4: <laughs> like <laughs> those season. all those rom coms that are like spy meets rom com that like Reese Witherspoon or Sandra Bullock or whatever, like a miscongeniality, mm. like I would kill for that for Nathan. I yeah,
3: like, like, a I haven't even thought
4: about that until you just mentioned it, right. but sure, go for it.
1: Like super sparkly, like a uh, pink panther, but actually does Kill like actually does do the. <laughs> uh, I I
3: I think anything. Um, one I would love for all the cast to get like a regular network series that gets um seven episodes and ten pl- or seven seasons and ten plus episodes. Like I would love Nathan to be on the next Abbott Elementary, not Abbott Elementary, but like a show like ab elementary that's like on a major network and it's like a regular job and you, you can turn on you, you can see him every week um doing something and maybe it's like an ensemble uh cast sort of thing maybe it's a uh can we do a musical can he be in a musical oh gosh i'd love to see him <laughs> in a musical <laughs> um would nathan do you think ever do his own special his own show his own live show his own stand-up com- comedy comedy
0: Oh, okay. I was like, well, he had Newark, Newark. Um, and I think he's doing another one, right? He's in development for another show right now, but those neither of those are stand up. So. I misunderstood the assignment. I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> no, no, you were going. You, you heard the first part of my question. And then I added an additional layer of complication to it. I would almost prefer that he just
0: keeps doing like little sketchy babies online than stand up. But that's a personal. They point. are good.
3: I would just mm-hmm. love to hear Nathan tell stories. I think anytime he tells stories, it's hilarious. And so Can I think we... he could easily do uh, stand up and do a special.
0: Can we talk about the unhinged questions he would ask on each Wednesdays? Wednesdays? Like, we have believe. to talk about it. About I can't that. believe we haven't yet. <laughs> <laughs> that the rambling the what is the one where he's going on and on about how christian like doesn't know his lines and how he was being like <laughs> he would just talking into the mic with like homophobic slurs for hours and then it ends with him going so anyways what was it like working with Tyka? like i can't with this man <laughs> everything <laughs> about this man is so good
1: he's so interesting cool. i love you like <laughs> he's proven as an artist as well i think the um that uh construction paper gay um series that he did sublime honestly
3: i haven't seen that what's i have
1: no idea what
4: you're talking about but you have the construction (laughs) paper gay.
3: i have no idea what you're talking about
1: yeah can you tell us what this is I, i i can't remember like i don't remember where it was like i think he was at like a con or something and they had they had them all sitting around like a kindergarten sized little table. And it was like with two other like f- folks from the show and they were all with like feathers and markers and crayons and like construction paper. And they had to like make art while they were doing the interview. And he shows it off at the end. And the other two had put like effort into like an image of some kind. And he's like, I just wrote the word gay. <laughs> it's literally like made out of buttons and sparkle things. And like, it's just the word gay, it's beautiful it's okay. Uh, you have to find this. Yeah, I don't know I what the heck find
0: you're find talking this, about, but I'm into it. In the comments. Just, I'm into I'm it and I would, it. Like to, I would like to see it.
3: I am not familiar <laughs> with it. Okay. I can't. So we are going to uh, wrap things up. Uh, what are you up to right now and or next Kylie? And where can people find you?
4: Um, well, you can find me on all the social media platforms pretty much um, at Kylie Shakti. So K Y L I E S C H A C H T E. It's a sort
1: of difficult last
4: name, at least. Um, I have a YA thriller that's like a Riverdale meets Fight Club kind of thing that you can buy in bookstores now called Your Next. And then I have a book called Hearts of Gold that will definitely appeal to our Five new Stuff fans that. I wish I could tell you when it's coming out, but it's been sort of a um, belabored process getting this one on the bookshelves. Um, but uh, it is about a. Um, the daughter of a famous sort of like Indiana Jones style archaeologist who is forced through her APUS history class to work with the girl she hates on a project um, for their class and they end up falling in love along the way as much as they can't stand each other. Um, But they, and also uncovering this sort of like mystery around these legendary gay pirates that I swear to God, I wrote this book before I ever watched the show. And when people read it after the fact, like you will not believe me because there's so many uncanny parallels, But the Gay pirate romance at the center of it is essentially like if Jim and Steed were lesbians and made like an honest go of the whole running away to China thing um so like that you know if you love the show which I'm assuming you do if you're listening there's all kinds of like lighthouse and citrus motifs that just happened to be written in there before I had ever watched a single episode so delicious um that's amazing uh, hopefully that's Uh, Like I've now since I'm still working on it, um, and obviously I'm unhinged about this show. I've like gone back and added a couple of deliberate Easter eggs but most of them were just like completely um, coincidental so David Jenkins and I are clearly on some kind of vibe. but I, like I said, that'll be coming out sometime in the next couple of years. Uh, but for now, you can um, find me anywhere at Kylie Shakti, and you can buy my current book um, about a 16 year old uh, disaster bisexual detective uh, named Flora Calhoun called Your Next.
3: Yay! Awesome. And Lacey, what are you up to? Uh,
2: as always, I am the host of the Temple of Geek podcast. I am at Official Joy Goblin on Instagram and just at Joy Goblin on TikTok. And uh, that's roughly where you can find me. I should have some interviews coming up for Temple of Geek in the next m- month here.
3: And Yay! That's, that's where I'll be. Yay! Katie, what do you go to and where can people find you? You
0: can find me at Loopy Danger Frog on Tumblr, Twitter, and AO3. Um, this week, I will be finishing, recording, and editing the final bits of Wave Hello to the Void by Mix Mollusca, Zachary Bosch, and E. Favey. Um, so stay tuned for the rest of that
1: and more fix and pod fix to come
3: yay and carly hi so
1: instagram and uh tiktok i'm fangirl photo just to see all the fandom um pictures that will hopefully start filling up the pages soon and then um i think for twitter maybe like slay and Chilean, but don't you dare follow me unless you're like well over the age of 18 and are really into pirates mutt because that's pretty extensively with what that page is all about so it's yeah. great curation yeah thank you I, I do my best. <laughs> <laughs> this is the
3: adulting you might be as able someone to who's well over
1: station, 18 but. It's great
3: <laughs> but i can smut curate
1: thank you very much
3: and i can be found on twitter i'm, I'm the other carly I, I can be found on twitter at carly l heath and Carly Lynn Heath on Instagram and my book, The Reckless Kind, can be found at bookstores everywhere. All right, gang, so we're in for the long haul. It took 118 days to get the AMPTP to see things right for those of us who are on the strike. So uh, be prepared to keep up the momentum on getting Our Flag Means Staff's renewal. Uh, Follow Renew as a crew on social and also adopt our crew on socials. And uh, to those in the Our Flag community, if you want to be a part of future episodes and have all this fun feel free to dm me and you'll be you know be a co-host on this podcast in some future episode thank you guys all for joining me today and until next time